Today is going to be a, uh, an interesting day. We kind of shifted our normal schedule and stuff because there's some things we're going to do. I was looking at some things that, that we, we needed to do, and, and I just saw, if you're able those moments, you kind of see a theme pop out. And the theme that really popped out in my mind is the idea is you belong here. How many know there's something about the body of Christ? There is something about when we come together as believers. And so we may have different colors. We have different backgrounds. But we're all part of the same family. And we're excited about what God is doing today. And so there's several things we're going to do now. In the uh, second service, uh, we actually have two families that we're going to recognize as new members to the church. We're excited about that. And we have another one that uh, has, has applied and been approved, but he couldn't be here this, this week. But God is doing things. He's adding to his kingdom. And then there are those that labor among us. How many know that the Scripture tells us that a workman is worthy of his hire and that they should be acknowledged? And so I'm going to call uh, Anna Benton up front for just a moment, and I'm going to step down here. A lot of you know Anna. Anna is one of the sweetest ladies. I don't know how Ed got her, but you know, it's a, you know. <laughs> but she's a sweet, sweet lady. And a lot of you know that she's been doing the bookkeeping for the church for, for quite a while. And, um, and so she is wanting to go back to school and do some things. And so she is stepping out of that role. And uh, Carolyn, Carolyn Reiner is going to be uh, taking over that role. And we're excited about what God's doing there. But I wanted to honor Anna's ministry. And, and I know that maybe people may not look at bookkeeping as a ministry, but t- trust me, it's a ministry. <laughs> and at the same time, there's, I, as a matter of fact, you'll, you'll read the little note I wrote to you later this evening. But I, I, want, I want you to understand that, there's, that there are certain things that are done that are behind the scene that are no less ministry. That it's done because, I, trust me, what little bit we were giving, paying her to do that does not cover well, the time and effort that she put in because it was done as a ministry unto the Lord. And I wanted to celebrate that. And so uh, we're going to be doing some other things to honor her. There's some things going on a little bit later that she doesn't know all about, but uh, we're going to have a great time. And, uh, but right now, I just want to take a few moments in this service and recognize her and uh, just pray a prayer blessing over her. Can we do that? Father, Lord, I thank you for this lady. I thank you for everything that she's done. I thank you for her faithfulness to this role to serve and to work. And, Lord, she always did it with a smile on her face, Lord. And there was such a a peace in knowing that there was someone that was so conscientious that was taking on this very important role. And so we ask for your blessings on her, Lord, as she goes back to school, as she does the things that she's going to do. Lord, Lord, I know her well enough to know that she's not completely stepping away from ministry. Lord, there will be things that she'll be involved in. But, Lord, we just thank you for this time and this season of transition. We just pray blessings and peace over her. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Can we give her a hand? Before you walk off. What you, since you're in the early service, you can get to pick either one of these plants that are, that are yours. That's just our, our little gift to you. Mm-hmm. Thanks. All right, you belong here. Well, I can, as I said, this is going to be an interesting day today because we're kind of welcoming new members. We're going to be baptizing some people in a few moments. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be uh, doing some... Um, 
some, we're going to be shifting and we're going to be doing communion at the end of the service because I just believe that there's just something about the family of God. So we want to celebrate, we want to honor the family of God and the fact that we have a place that you belong. I don't know about you, but I love having a place that I belong. There are many here that I consider practically family because I know that I can trust them and, and there's that kind of relationship. But you know what? Not everybody has that place where they feel like they can belong. This week as I was going through, God just has a way. I mean, God has a way when you're working on a message. He just kind of causes things to cross your path. And I ran across a story that I thought was so interesting. There was this young lady that was about 20 years of age. And she came from a home that was because of alcoholism and things that were very, very abusive. And just, you know, she just didn't have a good leg up on life. And and because of the things that were going on in her home at a young age, she kind of ran away from home, and she found herself homeless, and, and she was living that kind of lifestyle and living out on the streets, and she had a, a area that she had found that had some bushes, and she just kind of created a space there that she would sleep at night. But the interesting thing is that she didn't get caught up in, in, in the drugs and, and all the things that so many people do when they live that lifestyle. She managed to stay away from prostitution in other ways, and she kind of made her living the way some people do just by, you know, picking up bottles and cans and stuff and, and hands outs and various things that she could find. And, and so very meager existence. But the one thing that she had, the one thing that she took with her that she kept was a Bible that was given to her when she was 11 years old by an uncle. And so she would literally, in her, in her place, that she would get in the bushes and, and, and go down for the night, and she, but she would just treasure that Bible and she would read the scripture. And not far from where she slept at was a church that was sitting off there off the side of the road and Every Sunday morning she would hear as the worship would kick in and, and those things would begin to transpire. And there was something in her heart that was drawn. But because of her condition and her circumstance, she couldn't quite bring herself to go to church. So she finally began to migrate that way. And she kind of made a habit out of showing up and just kind of once the service started and once things kicked off, she found a place that she could get close to the church outside the building and through the muffled sound of the exterior walls of the church, she could hear the worship going on and she could pull out pieces of the sermon. And this went on for a while and, and she began to dream, but wouldn't it be great if I could belong to a place like that? So she began to look for that, and, and she, she, she loved that. And then, then one day she finally made the decision. She said, you know what, I, am, I think I'm going to go to church. So she literally gave up a few meals and, and did some things, and she scraped together enough money to go to a little secondhand store and buy the prettiest dress she could find. And she decided, I'm going to church. So that Sunday morning came around, and she got up and went to a, a convenience store there and got into the bathroom and did her best to clean herself up, but she didn't have makeup. She didn't have this stuff. And so there she was with, with her tattered, oily hair. She tried to clean herself up as best she could, and she decided to go to church. She showed up 
Strategically, she waited until the service had started so that she could try to bypass the greeters that she could bypass. She just wanted to slip into the service and slip out. And so she comes in, and, and she kind of gets through, but she noticed as she walks in that there were some people that kind of nodded at her, but nobody gleefully welcomed her. Several people kind of avoided her, and she just sat down on the back row, and she kind of felt like, you know, this is great. I'm loving the service, but this is so stressful and so embarrassing. There's no way I will ever belong here. So this will probably be the last time I come. As the service was wrapping up, she just went ahead and slipped out so that she wouldn't be caught by anybody, and she kind of made her way off. But as one of the families from the church was leaving service, they were driving towards their home, and the family was talking, the husband, wife, and the kids were talking about the service, and and they saw this this lady walking and turning, kind of going off into her place in the bushes. And one of them said, isn't that the lady that was at church today? They said, yeah, I think it was. Well, they talked about that, and they kind of whispered a little prayer for her as they went on about their normal Sunday day. But through the week, just it's like they couldn't get this young lady off their mind. And as they, they did, finally that Saturday, the, it had built up to a point where they said, you know what? We saw where she went into the bushes. Let's go see if we can find her. So they went. Father walked up to the place, and he felt like he could tell that there was someone in there, but obviously he didn't want to scare her, didn't want to startle her. So he just very gently at first was, ma'am, you know, young lady, kind of began to speak until he got her attention. And then he made this statement. He said, you know, he said, I would love for you if you would, to come have dinner with us. So she did, and they took her to dinner and fed her and so forth. And just as they talked, they made the decision and said, you know what, we, wanna, we don't want you sleeping in the bushes. We'll put you up in a hotel tonight. And they did, with the idea that they would pick her up for church the next morning. The wife even gave her some clothes that she had that she felt like would fit and, and, and got some makeup for her and some things. And, and so Sunday morning rolls around. The next morning they show up at the hotel they put her up in and they're ready to take her to church. They find that she not only was she ready, she'd been ready for quite a while. And they picked her up, picked her up and they took her to church. And during the service, she just for the first time she felt like maybe there's a chance I could belong maybe there's a chance I could be a part of this so they go to Sunday lunch together and then the family breaks some more news they said you know what we've got an extra room at the house we'd like for you to come live with us until you can get on your feet she did that eventually they helped her she got enrolled in Bible school She graduated Bible school. And according to this story, the the very last thing that was known about this particular young lady is that she became a minister at a church over their children's ministry area and leading a ministry to homeless people. 
she found the place where she belongs. I don't know about you, but that ought to be the kind of thing that warms our hearts. Because there is something about, because you know what? We live in a day and a time that, that, that we all have this sense of wanting to belong. And yet, some, somehow the enemy can lie to us, can distort that there's no way we could ever become one of those. But yet, God has a way of doing things that we wouldn't believe was possible. She thought she could never belong, but now she's leading a ministry, and God is doing a work in her life. And so today, this whole service is geared around the idea of belonging. We're going to welcome new members into the church today. We're going to celebrate those that have given their life to Christ. And now we're going to welcome them in as part of the family. We're going to se- we've celebrated those that have worked in the family. And later we're going to celebrate by taking communion together. And here's, one of the, here's a thought I want you to have about communion. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, we're all blood relatives now. We're bought by blood. And I want us to understand that this morning. So today we're going to celebrate those things. So I've got a brief thing that I want to get into this morning before we get into baptizing. Is you belong here. Now I'm not saying this, you know, if you're a guest with us, I'm not trying to twist your arm into coming here. But I'm telling you, if you're looking for a place to belong, there is something about belonging to a church. You know, guess what? We all have a deep, how many know we have a deep longing to belong? As I thought about this this week, I thought about the idea, you know what, what do we do? I have seen people compromise their moral integrity just so they can feel like they belong to something. They want to join a group so bad that they will, they will lay aside things that are part of their character because there's this deep need to, feel it, to fit in and belong that is so deep that they're willing to compromise who they are just to have that feeling of belonging. Then I thought about, but why is it? Why is it that we struggle with letting ourselves many times belong to something that's going to help us improve ourselves, that's going to help us take a step to the next level, that's going to help us find that place to belong, that's going to allow us to actually improve our lives, that's going to allow us to, to move forward and to actually truly find a genuine purpose in life. Yet so many times we struggle with that idea. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13 says this. For just as, as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Boy, if that scripture doesn't, encompass exactly what I'm talking about today, the sense of belonging, the sense of being part of the family. My mind flashed back to something in my much, much younger days, way back in 1982. There was a TV series that started that became a big hit. It was called Cheers. All right? It had its funny moments. There were several shows that were launched out of that. It lasted from 82 to 93. But the reason I bring that up is because of the theme song to the show. Have you ever really thought about the lyrics to the theme song of the show? 
It says, where everybody knows your name, making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries, it sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. And you want to be where you can see the troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. You want to go where people know the people all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. You see what I think that show did? I think it captured a feeling that we all have that we want to belong somewhere. There is not a person that doesn't like stepping into somewhere and realizing that there are people there that know their name. There are people there that care and it matters that you came. And you have that sense of belonging. So this morning, I want you to understand that you belong here. Matter of fact, if I were to take this and bring it down to one statement, I'd say this. You belong where you will be loved, encouraged, and find your purpose. That is the place that we all belong. We all should desire to be a part of that. So this morning, as we get ready to baptize, what is this thing called water baptism? Why is it do we sit up a tank in the middle of a service? Why is it that we have people come and we put them under the water for a few seconds? Matter of fact, Yankee, just so you know, Chris asked if I'd hold you under for about 15 minutes, so... Okay, so, so you, I don't, I don't know, you know, you guys can work out what, what that means, but all right. But what is this thing that we call water baptism? Well, Mark sixteen sixteen, Jesus made this statement. He says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. But you notice he doesn't just say believed will be saved. He said believed and baptized so what is it about this thing we know that Jesus himself spoke these words we know that on one hand we say well this is a symbolic act this is a ritual or whatever you want to call it but yet we also see that Jesus commanded that we follow him in water baptism that it is something we're supposed to do and and it actually is one of these things it's one of two things that just to get a little theological here, that we call the ordinances of the church. Now, ordinances isn't really a word we use that much. Now, we know that there's city ordinances, right? So what are we saying here? We're saying that it's one of the rules of the church is to be baptized. And the second is to take communion. It's two things that Jesus said to do. Now, we know that, that every single believing church has some form of water baptism. Now, there's some argue and debate you can get in, you know, if it, depending on how you run across people that just have to debate everything to death, right? So there's some discussion over, well, do we baptize in Jesus' name only or do we baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit? So there's those that want to debate that side of that thing. You know what? I'm thinking Jesus is the way there. And so to me, whichever way, it's not like it invalidates water baptism. And then there's the debate that you hear over, well, is it, is it uh, 
Do we, do we dunk or do we drip? And so there's, there's discussion over that. Now, I, I will tell you, I've got some pretty strong opinions on that, but I am not going to invalidate somebody else's follow-through, something that they've done in their life if they truly had a believing heart. To me, we, so many times we get so busy in, in discussing the minute things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But as I was beginning to look through and begin to talk about this idea, that there's some very interesting evidence for immersion that I found. Matter of fact, the original Greek word that is used in the Bible is baptizo. And so I looked it up and I ran across something that just totally blew my mind. Apparently there's a Greek poet and physician by the name of Nicander that lived about 200 B.C. And he uses that word in a very interesting place. Matter of fact, he uses both Greek words for being baptized in a very interesting writing of his. You know what it is? In his writings, they found this recipe for pickles. <laughs> True. And according to the recipe, to make a pickle, you take the vegetable and you dip it into boiling water and he used the Greek word bapto and then you baptize the vegetable in a vinegar solution which he uses the word baptizo so what we're saying is that if that's the way you baptize pickles by immersion then apparently that's the way we ought to baptize people since he used the original Greek words, right? Exactly. But think about this. What happens with the pickle? It's transformed. There is something that happens. And so this morning, in a few minutes, we're going to pickle some people in the body of Christ. But I'm not making fun. I'm not making light of what happens. Because what's about to take place is I woke up this morning. I was excited. There is something about new lives that have freshly given their lives to Christ. And they want to follow him in water baptism. So what is this water baptism? Let's talk about a couple of things it is. First of all, it's an act of obedience. It was a very important first step in the life of those that give their life to Christ. It's really kind of one of our first acts of obedience. So what do he say? Those that believe and are baptized. Now, if you think about that, we see that the Lord Jesus himself approached his, his cousin John and said, you know what, you need to baptize me. Now, if ever there's anybody that ever walked the face of this earth that didn't need to be baptized, it would be Jesus, Right? Matter of fact, we know that John even argued with him. Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to even loosen or tie the, the, your sandals. But Jesus said, must do this to fulfill all righteousness. So John baptized Jesus. And right there, as he's coming up out of the water, 
we see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all together. Father said, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus was the one being baptized, and the Holy Spirit showed up in the form of a dove. What a moment. I I, I can't imagine being John and, and having the honor of doing that. But what do we see is that Jesus did this first, and then he says, I want everyone that follows me, everyone that accepts my sacrifice to follow me in this. There's a power in that. Jesus went on to say, Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You know, I mean, that the modernization is good. I love being able to put words to our songs on the screens. I love that we can worship him with our modern instruments. I love that we, all the things that we can do, that we have, a, I'm even glad that we're meeting in a building that has air conditioning and heat. Modern things are great. Matter of fact, we can even give to the Lord through our phones now. How great is that? You can get to the church bulletin through the app on the phone. You can look at the calendar. There's all these conveniences that we have today and all these modern things. But sometimes in our push to be modernized, we think that somehow that allows us to take God's commandments as more suggestions. Because we we feel like that we can justify some of the things. You see, just like when you were a kid, the excuse to your parents of, well, everybody else is doing it didn't fly, or it shouldn't have flown. I know it didn't fly for me. I tried it many times, didn't work. It doesn't work with God either. And so I believe that when he says things, so many times we take things like, like even baptism, we say, well, it's not, you know, really that big of a deal, but it is. It's an incredibly big deal. Matter of fact, if you look at it, some of Jesus' very last words that he spoke on this earth, what we read in Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So think about that for a moment. Jesus' very call to believe includes a call to be baptized. If you look at it, if you read in Scripture, Scripture doesn't talk about any believing Christian that didn't follow the Lord in baptism. Matter of fact, most every time that somebody was baptized, we see where almost immediately they made arrangements to be baptized. I love the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, where he's walking along and, and God uses him to lead this man to Christ. And as they're walking along on this road traveling from, from Jerusalem to Ethiopia, and as, as they're traveling along, also they come across a body of water. And he basically, right then and there on this trip, he said, Well, what is there to keep me from being baptized? See, there's just something about that. But see, it's also, what, what else it is, it's a powerful ceremony. You know, I don't know about you, but 
I had a ceremony where one of these rings was put on my finger. It wasn't just a show. It was deeper than that. Oh, we had already pledged our love to one another. We had already said that that we were going to be one. We were already planning on spending the rest of our lives together. We were already planning on making Christ the center of our home. But we can't say that that was just another ceremony because it was deeper than that. It was a commitment before God and witnesses that only death would bring it into this relationship. It's really kind of the same way with water baptism. Yes, we can say it's a ceremony. Yes, we can say it's symbolic. And yes, we can say that that these people have committed their life to Christ. But it's more than just a ceremony. It's them declaring before God and all these witnesses that from this moment on, their life is transformed. It's deeper than just a ceremony. Matter of fact, in a way, it's kind of a funeral. Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You know what we're saying is? We're saying there was an old person, not chronologically, but one that doesn't need to be around so much anymore. How many of you remember the old person that, does, that you kind of needed to lay to rest? And so today what we're doing is we're going to say, you know what? I've committed my life to Christ. I'm laying the old me to rest. And I'm going to raise up a new creature, a new person in Christ. So maybe you're here and you're struggling with your guilt over the past. Maybe that's because you haven't quite yet laid the old person to rest by giving him a proper funeral. See, water baptism can be such a great and powerful reminder of his grace. Let's talk about what water baptism isn't. It isn't the cleansing of your sin in itself. It's an outward sign of an inward work. Years ago, I had a lady that her and her mom wanted to meet with me, and she was a young adult, but the mom came too, and she was having some issues in her life. And in all honesty, there were some pretty serious spiritual issues that were going on. And she had in her mind that if she could just find somebody to baptize her, that all her troubles would go away. And so I'm sitting there talking to her, and I'm trying to explain to her that that's not what she needs, that she's getting things out of order, that she needs to commit her life to Christ first that she needs to ask him to come in and to be her Lord and Savior, and that she really needed to find a place that she could plug in and be discipled and and move forward, and, and that that would help her. And then we would talk about water baptism. 
but she was determined. So I declined that day. I wasn't going to just run a tank full of water. I wasn't going to just put her under the water and raise her up because I, I figured out a long time ago that if you bring a unrepentant sinner up and you get them to step in and you put them under the water, they come back out as a wet sinner. That there's no cleansing power in the tank in and of itself. What it is, it's going public with your faith. It's that declaration. Can you let me let me say this, then we're gonna to get to baptizing. Think about all around the world. So many times what do we do? We debate, well, do I really need to do that? Do I not need to do that? Now I'm not one that think if you truly commit your life to Christ and you happen to get hit by a bus on your way to the baptism tank, that that means you don't make it, okay? I'm not declaring that at all. But I am declaring that that is, that this is a step of obedience and something that we're supposed to do. But if you think about it, sometimes we're we're so hesitant. You know, I hear sometimes people, I don't want to get up in front of people and I don't want to do this. And and we kind of get a little shy about some things like that. Have you thought about this? If there are people all over this planet that taking this step puts their very lives at risk. There are parts of the world that if somebody steps up and does this act, their family will disown them. There's parts of the world that if they do this act and it gets out that all of a the sudden their lives are at stake. And isn't it interesting that, that even those that don't believe there is a line drawn at baptism. That that's the step that, oh, you've gone too far there. So don't tell me there's not a power in this. There's not something to it. And so this morning, we're going to baptize a couple of people, and I'm going to ask our, our worship team to come up and prepare. <coughs> this morning, I think we're going to do ladies first. So I'm going to ask Robin Towers to join me. By the way, these guys are newlyweds. We're excited about this. So, Robin, if you'll just step right up the stairs here. I don't know about you, but this just thrills my heart. You know, I, that's why I like doing this on a Sunday morning. I know we're taking time from our normal routine, but to me, if we can't celebrate this, then we're missing the boat. So, Robin, do you have anything you want to say? Amen. Amen. So, Robin, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? you can intend to serve him the rest of your life? Yes, I do. All right. You might want to grab the nose there. Yeah. So, Robin Towers, upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
This is Don Yankee Towers. I knew him as Yankee long before I found out what his first name really was. He's quite a character, but there's no doubt God has done a work in his life just to get him here. Some of his friends I've met were like, what, he's being baptized? But isn't that the greatest stories? It's the most incredible stories. Just recently had the privilege of conducting their marriage wedding ceremony. What a beautiful time. So this is kind of a the next step in the process. You have anything you want to say? Okay, he's ready. <laughs> yeah. Can you hold your breath for 15 minutes? No. So, Don, have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Do you intend to serve him the rest of your life? So if you would, you might want to grab your nose there so you don't get a flood. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So, Don Towers, upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. him now. I didn't want to lose him, so we're... Thank you very much. You bet. God bless you guys. You know what? Let's pray for this couple. Can we do that? Father, Lord, I thank you for the work that you've done in their lives. Lord, this is incredible. Well, this is what you gave your life on the cross for, Lord, to take those of us, Lord, that have wandered through life without purpose, so, Lord, I'm so thankful they found a place where they belong. Lord, this may be a place that they didn't think at some any point would be a place that they belong, but, Lord, now they've become a part of this family. And, Lord, we are so thankful for that. I pray your blessings on them. I pray that you walk with them, Lord, and let them, as they continue on this journey, Lord, bring many years of joy and peace and celebration. And, Lord, we celebrate what you've done in their lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give my hand. I've asked our worship team to just kind of lead us into celebrating. I think this is something we need to celebrate. If she would, stand with me. Let's just celebrate what God has done.
for a moment and we'll invite them back in just a bit. You can be seated. We're going to uh, prepare and shift gears and move a little bit to communion in just a moment. How many know that that is a, another thing that is just, it's more than a ritual. And as I said, we call the other ordinance of the church. And I believe it's an ordinance that identifies us as blood relatives. I mean, look around the room. How many know that you see all kinds of different people of shapes and colors and ethnicities and backgrounds and ages and every division that you could make? And yet what we see is we see a people that belong, a people that are part of one family. And that part of that is because if you've asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, then guess what? You're now a blood relative because of the blood of Jesus Christ that is in our lives and we are all connected to one another. So Jesus, we know that on, on that day when he was celebrating the Passover with his disciples, for the last time. We refer to it in scripture as the last supper. In Luke twenty-two nineteen, 19, it says, and he took bread 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. See, I think to really understand what communion is, for just a moment, we're going to look at the past, we're going to look at the present, and we're going to look at the future and what the significance is of that. Now, I realize that that sounds like a three-point sermon. It's not going to be that long. But I want to just make a few comments that will make sure you understand. See, communion has a history. I don't know if you realize this, but really if you look back, it's literally tied to the Passover. Matter of fact, a few, a few Easter's back, we actually did a, a Passover supper that we did where we had somebody come in that really was from a Jewish background that was a, that was a Christian, and they really explained all the symbology of everything involved in that. Now, we know that according to the Jewish faith, they're looking on the day when when through God's power that the children of Israel were slaves and they were in Egypt and God sent 10 plagues to dramatically set them free and to rescue them and to get them out of that circumstance and, and that the last one was the, the, the plague of the firstborn where those in Egypt lost their firstborn sons and the whole idea that the children of Israel were told to do is that they were to prepare this meal and that as they applied the blood of the lamb to their doorpost, that when the death angel came, he would pass them over because the blood had been applied to that home. Now, we know as Christians that all of that, every bit of that is pointing towards the cross. It's pointing towards what Jesus was going to do and what Jesus has done. And so to me, it's so fitting that we understand the context that this happened, that Jesus is literally getting ready to go to the cross. That night, he's going to be arrested in the garden. And yet he shares this last Passover with his disciples. And he takes the bread and he breaks it and he distributes it among them. And he says, this is my body. And we know, we'll talk a little bit more about what happened to his body. And, but he talked about that. And then he goes on. And we see a little bit later, in Luke twenty two twenty, it says, And likewise, the cup, after he, they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is in the new covenant in my blood. This is the part that makes us blood relatives. And the cup is interesting, too, because we know that his body was broken. We know what he went through. We know that, that he, he suffered horribly on our behalf, that he literally took our sin upon himself. But yet the cup has so much symbolism in and of itself. Now, we've got a little grape juice in the cups that we're going to take together in just a moment. But how do you get grapes juice? You crush them. Even in Bible days, that was the practice. They'd be stomped underfoot until all the juice was stomped out of them. And it was, if you look at it, Jesus was literally crushed. Jesus was literally smashed. The Bible says that when he, before he even went to the cross, he was unrecognizable. And that's the blood that was spilled for us. 
And so when we take the cup together, what we're saying is we remember how Christ suffered for us. He said to do this in remembrance of him. It's not a suggestion. It's another one of those commands. But then we look to the future. What do we see? We see heaven. And Jesus reminded us in this that we, what did he say as he was getting ready to go? He said, I will not take this cup again. I will not do this with you again until we do this together in heaven. Can you imagine that literally a version of this ceremony that we're about to partake in is what's is one of the things that's going to be done in heaven. So it's more than it's more than just a thing that we go through. I you know, I never I'm always one that I realize that there are things we do that are that we're supposed to do. There's things that are the ordinances of the church, but I, I constantly remind myself I never, ever, ever want them to become ritual. I always want to stop and recognize the meaning behind that and, and, and feel that again in my spirit. What was he doing? We do this as a reminder that one day he is coming back and one day he will take us to be with him. So, more than a ritual. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven through 29 says this. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself Then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. See, it's not just something that we do. It's something that you do because of a relationship with him. And as we said, that that you belong... You belong where you will be loved. You belong where you'll be encouraged. You belong where you will find purpose. And this is part of that. And so I know that this is a little, maybe outside the norm, but I want you for just a moment just to close your eyes and just kind of bow your head where you're at and just contemplate what we're about to do. We're about to share the bread together. We're about to drink of the cup together. And scripture tells us to examine our own hearts, to examine where we're at, and not to do this in an unworthy manner. In other words, if you've not committed yourself to Christ, then we don't serve a closed communion. It doesn't matter if you're here visiting from someplace else. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and he is your Lord and Savior, then we invite you to join in with us because you're, you're a blood relative too. But maybe you're here. And maybe you've felt a little bit of the celebration that's taken place this morning and, and, and somehow along the way you kind of have this, this in your own heart and in your own way you say, you know, but I really don't feel like I've found my place of belonging. Well, can I say this? The theme of the day is you belong here. We love you. We want you. And most importantly, Jesus wants you. And so I really feel like that if before we move on this morning, it'd be wrong if I didn't give somebody here. Maybe there's somebody here today 
You say, you know what? I've never truly committed my life to Christ. Well, I've had my excuses and my reasons and things, and I'm just kind of going through life. But there's a power in committing your life to Christ. You can say that, what will it really change? And the answer is everything. Everything. And maybe on the side, if you're on the other side, you think, I can't comprehend that. There's, there's other things that I don't want to give up or, or whatever it is that you feel like is holding you back. I promise you there is nothing this world offers that you can hold on to that is worth missing the embrace of Jesus in your life. So if there's anybody here that falls in that category, would you just slip your hand up right where you're at? Say, you know what? I need to give my life to Christ. I've not done that. And I felt the atmosphere today. I felt, I felt the, the, the spirit that was here. And, and I believe that's what I need. Anybody at all? Because I don't want to move on. If you're here and there's something in your life that you just say it's not quite right, then I would suggest you get you pray and you get that right before we serve communion. Because this is a holy and sacred thing. Is there anybody here that you've asked Jesus in your life, but yet you've just never followed him in water baptism? I don't want to move on without giving that opportunity. The water's here. You're here. We even have bags ready that if you say, well, I didn't bring a change of clothes or towels, we can fix that too. Anybody at all? I don't want to just move on before and miss this opportunity. Anybody at all? All right. At this time, I'm going to invite uh, some of our board to come, and we're going to prepare to receive communion together. And what we'll, what we'll do, I think, will be best with the way things are laid out is, is we're going to have people standing here with the uh, implements on each side. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And if you would, just move towards the middle, come down these middle aisles, get, uh, get your part, and then circle back around, and you can return to your seats. And we'll do that. If we can get a little, maybe a little keyboard music or something while this is happening. So at this time, you would just stand and kind of come make your way.
Has everybody been served that wants to participate this morning? Okay. You probably have never held a smaller cracker in your hand. But it's what it represents. It's just flour and a few ingredients. One thing that's missing is what Scripture calls the leaven or the yeast. Because in this context, that was considered the influence of the world. That was considered the the sin that would work itself through. And we know that Jesus' body was without sin. And so for this to represent his body, then it almost demands that this would be the form. And it's similar. It was, it's slightly different, but it's, it lines up with what they did on that day in that sense. But you know, to me, when we hold this and we take this together, we need to really reflect on the punishment that Jesus took for us. To suffer so greatly, the scripture says he was unrecognizable. That is a broken and crushed body. And then to endure the cross after that, all so that he could say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. All so that he could say, into into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he could say, it is finished. I'm so thankful for that finish. Can we take the bread together? Lord, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. Lord, let us never take that for granted or just some ritual that we go through. Lord, this may be a symbol, but the reality is your body really was broken for us. This Lord, I ask you today, Lord, to bless I ask you, Lord Jesus, to let us be so thankful for what you've done as we've taken this together in Jesus' name. And it says he took the cup. The blood of Jesus. Boy, talk about the greatest stain fighter of all time. That no matter where you've been, what you've done and I've talked to many people that have that's been their response to the gospel well, you don't know where I've been and what I've done doesn't matter he knows and he still died for you wouldn't it be interesting we're not going to do this today wouldn't it be interesting to go around the room and just have everybody share their one worst sin. What a picture that would be of God's forgiving power. That alone, that's the power of his blood. Let's take the cup together.
we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your goodness. Lord, the suffering and your blood was shed for us. Lord, I am so thankful that that blood that was shed has been applied to my life and that I can stand here today, that I truly am forgiven. I truly am set free. And Lord, we can multiply that all across this room. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, let us never lose sight of the sacrifice that was made. Let us never lose sight, Lord, of, the, of what you went through. But Lord, I am so thankful for the blood of Jesus most precious blood that was ever spilt. And Lord, you did it for me. So Lord, I just say thank you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Pastor Nate. something in this church through each of us as we progress and as the kingdom of God progresses. We thank you for being here because you belong and you're part of the body of Christ. And we are so glad that we get to fellowship and celebrate together with each and every one of you. If you don't feel like you're good enough, let me tell you what, none of us are good enough but he makes the difference. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace in our lives when we don't deserve it. I thank you, Lord, for your spirit in our life when we feel dead. I thank you, Lord, for this uh, a chance to partake of your, uh, your sacrifice that gives us new life. I thank you, Lord, for the communion that reminds us, Lord, that you paid the price for each and every one of us. And I thank you, Lord, for baptism that reminds us that you give life to dead things. And I pray, God, as we leave today, that we would be encouraged by your spirit, Lord, that we would be encouraged to go and live lives of faith, knowing that the spirit of God resides in each and every one of us and Lord that we would come together to fellowship that we would come together to to encourage one another as we go through the challenges of life and face things together none of us have arrived none of us are perfect but we're going to walk this thing out together as a family and we thank you Lord that we're part of the family of God in Jesus name we pray amen amen we'll see you guys um, Wednesday hopefully for fellowship uh, we're so glad to have you today. The kids are in the back secured, so parents go and pick your kids up. God bless you.